This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello again. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast. And there is stuff coming your way. I just want to mention that to you. If you haven't noticed already, we have podcast 800 coming up because this is uh, 796. So that's happening. We just dropped another test drive on Sunday. That was the Mercedes GLE uh, 63S. It is a mid-cycle refresh. I like that car. It's, it's quite good. It's, it's, quite, like it's it. quite good. And coming this Sunday, besides another test drive, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and let you know, not exactly, <laughs> but coming this Sunday is the reveal of the new car that is the new show car that will be involved in road trips and explain what we're doing. That's coming this week, probably Sunday, because frankly, we've been shooting up up against the deadline and we probably won't get it finished by Thursday. So expect that before the end of the week. Big reveal coming. You heard it here. <laughs> Maybe even a thumbnail with like a blacked out car, just to just Maybe. to bring just to bring the whole thing Crazy. around to YouTube fun. It's gonna be very cool. Let's put it this way: it's been acquired, yes, and it's in the driveway. Yeah, both of the above are true. It yeah. is here. Uh-huh. It has arrived. It's very cool. Crazy. Well, what's on Blipshift from our friends at Blipshift? Uh, isn't there some Lotus? There's gear? an Ad Brightness Exige in Krypton Green, which is that like yeah. neon green. Yeah, that's it looks pretty cool. Really cool. Yeah. Our topic Tuesday is an idea that I thought we could talk about. Revisiting our original career paths. Oh, okay. All right. Now I want to set this up because I want to talk about car design originality. Okay. Versus Hollywood script originality. No, oh, oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, got, I'm with you. Now it's easy to criticize anything as of course, yeah. people who have access to the internet, all of us. It is very easy to criticize anything. Mm-hmm. It gets different when you have experience in the subject matter. I've designed cars. You have written multiple scripts, like yes. 25 scripts at this point. Quite a few, yes. But, Something like that? Well, but what you're saying, though, is if you have access to the internet, though, you, and you have an opinion, you must be an expert. You must be an expert. If, if you have Armchair a keyboard, yeah. if you have a keyboard, you must be an expert. We see this all the time on YouTube. Well, this is yeah. also the thing about writing stats and specs and saying, well, I've read this, and mm-hmm. one person's opinion about anything, cars, products, mm-hmm. scripts, food, restaurants. Sure, yeah, yeah. We're seeing so many car designs that people don't like. They're controversial. BMW. Oh, sorry, what? Well, yeah. <laughs> but then, Todd, you and I have had many, many conversations where you have come to me and been like, man, the next spinoff from this character from the next Marvel Universe sure. thing, and they're yeah, pulling they're, that character out and making they are milking it. three films with that character. Of course they are, yeah. <sighs> We're in like stage five or something of the Marvel Marvel master plan. And I will admit that the first stage was awesome. The first like decade of Marvel was fantastic and they did a lot of really good stuff and they have an amazing guy that is kind of overseeing it all called Kevin Feige and he has made sure everything connects. And that's the reason why, okay, think about this for a second. The original Marvel movies had Kenneth Branagh directing Thor. Kenneth he did? Branagh, he of Shakespeare, directed the first Thor movie, but he's also a Shakespearean director. I didn't know that. He directed the first Thor movie with Anthony Hopkins playing dad. No kidding. And then you've got uh, you've got Happy from the Iron Man movies, okay? Yeah. He's actually the director of the first two, three Iron Man movies. That's uh, John Favreau. John Favreau, right? yeah, 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 exactly, okay. who directed Elf and other things. Okay. He goes on and directs Iron Man, all right? And that pitch was like, we'll see if this works, okay? But... John Favreau directs Iron Man. 
Kenneth Branagh directs Thor. Now, how are those any way possibly connected? And then Joss Whedon directs the first Avengers movie. Yeah, but those are good. But my, but my point is, the only reason those even feel the least bit connected is because of Kevin Feige making them feel connected. There is still a person mm-hmm. behind the scenes that is deciding on a direction. And you're, you're bringing up, I know where you're going, you're bringing up, <laughs> by comparison, you're bringing up the DC universe. Well, which there is, is quite that controversial. They're sitting around going, look at what Marvel's doing and how much money they're making. We should do the same thing. Right? They're trying to. And then they're going to do I, I, this is a term that you're going to shake your head at me. But then so they did the Schneiderverse. <laughs> they did. I have never heard that term. They hired Zack Snyder. <laughs> That's great. Who actually has done some really very stylized, very good stuff. Think of the movie 300 is a, is a Zack Snyder film. He did uh, The Walking Dead. That was the thing that kind of put him on the map when he came right, out of commercials right. and music videos. And they had him try to be Kevin Feige for the DC Universe. Okay, So he does, uh, after Christopher Nolan finishes his Batman series, which is still the best, and I will stand on that, he was an advisor to Zack Snyder who kind of restarted DC doing the new The Man of Steel Superman movie. Nolan which, was. He was advisor to He was an advisor while Zack Snyder is doing the directing okay. and, and helping with the writing and his wife's involved. And so they start building the DC Universe through Wonder Woman, through, uh, yes, sad Affleck doing Batman, uh, Aquaman. Sad Affleck. Yeah, sad Fleck. But anyway. Oh my gosh. So, so, but when, and they did Superman uh, versus Batman, which is a, a difficult movie that uh, introduces Wonder Woman. That's the purpose of that film. So they're trying to do the Feige thing. It was problematic to say the least. One of the things is the DC Universe is always significantly darker. Now, I liked it. And a lot of things about what Snyder was doing I liked. Not all of it, but a lot of it I did like. But then, side note, because I'm coming, I'm coming to a point here on both Kevin Feige versus Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder, while doing Justice League, his teenage daughter committed suicide. Oh my gosh, and I didn't know that. And he and his wife were both involved. She was, she was his producer. Oh my so gosh. they were both working hard on the DC Universe. I, I don't know any of the behind-the-scenes family drama other than the fact that she killed herself, which oh, is horrifying. Oh my gosh. So they, understandably, oh. said, full stop, we're, we're stopping right now. We're stopping working anything on this. So they yeah, brought in Joss Whedon, course. who had done the Avengers, to, to finish shooting slash reshoot slash finish Justice League. And there's plenty of information out there about how that was nearly disastrous for all involved. The tone changed, everything like this, and it led to, you can watch the Snyder cut of Justice League or the Joss Whedon theatrical cut of Justice League, and they are quite different, especially in tone. My point here is, and I, and I think I think I'm I think I'm going to segue you back into styling nicely. Okay. Okay. And that is, what happens here is people trying to leave their mark. <laughs> yes. People that drop in out of the sky <laughs> and try to leave their mark. Now, what generally happens in your normal script meeting is you're sitting there as the writer, and there's six people in the room, and you're not sure why there's six people in the room. Because there's an executive you've been talking to that you pitched the project to that bought the project. Why do we have intern number two and lower level development person and whatever? But everybody in the room is going gonna, is gonna to give their note on how they think the script should be better. Now, most of the time, not always, most of the time those notes are not as helpful as you'd like them to be. But nobody's going <laughs> to not give notes. This is the interesting thing about Everybody has an opinion. And also because you can't be seen to not give notes. You have to contribute to justify your reason for being there. So there's no such right. thing as writer comes in, big Oscar-winning screenwriter comes in, clearly knows what he's doing, great storyteller. We all respect that he's, that he's a great writer. We all have MBAs or law degrees. Right. None of us have written a stitch in our life, but there's no chance we're going to read the script and be like, shoot it like that. 
that's awesome. You know what you're doing. You got to justify your paycheck. You have to justify your reason for being there. So they all have notes. And what it takes is somebody <laughs> that has enough forethought and enough power to go, this is the way we're going full stop, to give it a feel. And then you have to hope that the person that has that power is picking the right direction. And in the case of styling, people are leaving their marks. And sometimes, well, let's go before we go even current BMW. This was the discussion about Chris Bangle. Yeah. Although BMW everybody's looking 2000s. at him like, that was great. Yeah. On you reflection, were, we're going, you, you know what? Somehow you know. Yeah. I, I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think it will with the Beaver Teeth era. Well, but I, I drove I by an, an, an XM today. Oh, did you? And it is, here's what I've decided. I'm going to do it on camera at some point the next time we drive a BMW like this. It is squinty-eyed with beaver teeth. Well, we're getting one like in a few weeks. How XM is, is coming our way. The, 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 the X7 is saying, how, okay, take a person and imagine them squinting while showing you their teeth as big as they can. Nobody looks good like that. And here's the front of the car. At this point in my life, after working in design and in business mm -hmm. and in the tech industry and, of course, doing what we do, it is my understanding that there are three tiers of business success. The first tier is you give people what they want. Mm. The second tier is give people what you think they want. Okay. Okay. And the third tier is give the people what you want. <laughs> this is the last 10 years of your career. You hired me. You know <laughs> well, what I do. True, true. I'm going to give Those you this. I'm going to give you this and you're going to take it because that's how I operate. So let me give you an example of give people what they want okay. and you'll have good success. GR everything. All the GR stuff. <laughs> we are awaiting the GR Prius. Yes. The, the new Prius mm -hmm. is a great example. Camrys, Honda Civics of all types, the new Honda HRV. If you haven't seen our test drive of the Honda HRV, mm -hmm. Honda's given the people what they want. Yeah, okay. Integras, the Integra, not only is it back, the nameplate mm -hmm. is back, but they're giving good power. The, the Type mm -hmm. S yeah, version yeah. is coming. Kia Tellurides and Kia Stingers, we've talked about those cars forever. RAV4s are excellent. Mm -hmm. Hybrids of all sorts, all the excellent hybrids out there that we've noticed that we yeah, like. Yeah. Porsche with their manual transmissions and mm, doing their one. part to try to at least contribute to the not having everything marked up and okay, we'll yeah. still offer manual transmissions. We won't make them scarce. We'll give the people what they want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants a Porsche manual transmission. Ford F-150s and Broncos and the new seventh generation Mustang that is nearly upon us. Yeah, you're right. Chevy trucks and Suburbans, the Chevy Bolt. It's a good example. I can't believe they're killing that car. I can't either. Anyway, yeah. I mean, Camaros are in that category too. Sure, yeah. Jeep Wranglers, including the 4xe versions, by the way. Well, and here's the thing. Giving people what they want is the reason that there is an unlimited four-door Wrangler anyway, because it was always a two-door. Yeah. And we're going to make a big four-door because that's what people are buying. How about Dodge Chargers and Challengers? There's a okay, reason those yeah. things have sold like crazy and they it's have amazing. to beat people off with a stick to stop buying them. Stop. <laughs> we're, we're changing the design. We're changing the generation to stop buying these. But no, people still want to buy them. Yep. Mazda Miatas at the very high end, the F Ferrari Puro saying Ferrari knocked one out of the park. And you can't even walk yeah. into a Ferrari dealership and say, you know what? That looks pretty good. Nope, <laughs> not going to happen. Laugh you off of planet Earth. Yep. Five seat SUVs from every car company. We have way too many. I hate to say it, but that's giving the people what they want. Yeah, true. C8 Corvettes. I mean, just the fact that Corvettes are out there. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So the second tier is giving people what you think they want. And you'll be moderately successful. Okay. Good success there too. Steve Jobs knew what people wanted. 
Mm. But there's also the part of Steve that told you what you wanted. He, he was very gifted in this idea of, I'm going to give you something that you don't realize you want yet, but as soon as it's provided, you're going to be like, why haven't I always had this? And th- there's a lot, lot of success to be had. Yes. But there are some Apple products that aren't the success sure. and amazingness of the iPhone and the transformation, how it transformed mm-hmm. Phones forever. Well, for every every story, in fact, most of them on the other side, every story like the iPhone where it's like, I'm going to make a prediction and make a product and you're going to be like, oh, that's the greatest thing ever. There are products that may have been every bit as revolutionary in thought and they landed with a thud. It's like, why would I get that? Microsoft's MP3 player. Sure, yeah, yeah. The Microsoft Zune. thinking the Zune. The Zune. They think this is what people want. That was not what people wanted. <laughs> Tesla's Elon Thinks that's what people want. He's moderately successful. I mean, he's very successful. Very successful. Extremely successful, yeah. How about the Nissan Z car? Okay. Nissan has okay. said, we think this is what everybody wants. I still haven't seen any on the road. That's a good point. I haven't seen any in the wild. It's a great point. They are kind of old news at this point. The, yeah. the new Z is old news. It's been out for a couple of years. And you just don't see it. That is I have point. not You're seen right. one. Yeah, yeah. We've had one, but where are they otherwise? But yeah. Nissan has said, this is what we think you want yeah, in yeah, the yeah. next generation. Uh-huh. Uh, is it? And then going to this third tier, giving people what you want. <laughs> it's tough to predict a good level of success with this. BMW Beaver Teeth on the 4 and 7 Series. The 7 Series isn't just... The 7 Why? Series is a genuinely ugly Why? car. Why? But that's what BMW wants. That's not what we want. Well, but, but back, back to where I started, though. I actually think what's going on there is, love it or hate it, that designer is in that role. He was put in that role, and he is now making his mark. Yes. And if you hate it, what he, wants. he is still making his mark. And he is mm. believing it's, it's the Steve Jobs thinking, but applied to design. Trust me. I'm going to put this out and you're going to all <laughs> like it. And, and, and to the point that we've actually heard some of the crazy nose beaver teeth looking M3s, M4s, people have been like, you know what? I've decided I like that. They have come around. And then behind that is this, frankly, even uglier version they're doing now with the squinty eyes. But I think there will be... I mean, they're selling them. I'm seeing them around Park City. People are buying these things. And the yeah. interior of the new 7 Series sedan is so gorgeous that I think there's a the segment of people that are just going, yeah, but have you seen the inside? And we got to buy it They're anyway. only spending their time inside. The yes. rest of us have to look at you driving that yes, thing. Yes, we have to look at the ugly car and they're inside in opulence. Look, I, I think the Volkswagen Taos is in this category. That's what Volkswagen wants to build. <laughs> it's not what I want you to build. That's not what we wanted okay. out of you right. for yeah. our entry level moderately priced SUV. Same with the ID4. This is our EV mm-hmm. SUV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. In uh, I think 2021 or 22, Volkswagen sold like 20,000 of those things. It sold a lot. People yeah. bought them. Yeah, yeah. No, the ID4 actually I think exceeded their sales expectations and I was like, where did they all go and who all bought them? I, gri- I was like, why would you buy that? There, there's other better, better electrics SUVs yes. out there yep. like EVs. The Volkswagen Buzz, the the bus, the Yeah, the, yeah. Remake of the bus, mm-hmm. I think, is kind of in this category because that's what Volkswagen wants to build to play on the heartstrings of everybody who loved the bus. But I think there needs to be a gas-powered version of that. Interesting. Okay. All right. Because that will offer both. I think they could widen the market. There will be sure. people who just want their, their bus. Just sure. give me the bus. Maybe. maybe. I'll bus. It's back. They don't have to admit to anybody else they drive a minivan. No, 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 no. It's a, a bus. Yeah, I have a Volkswagen it's bus. It's the cool bus. It's absolutely. But it's yeah, how I want sure. it. Yeah. And then if people want the EV version, fine. You can get that too. Mm, interesting. And same thing with Mustang Mach-E. Everybody dug their heels in when a five-seat SUV that was yeah. an EV yeah. came out. And that's not a Mustang. Totally. That's what Ford wanted to call it. Mm-hmm. We've 
begrudgingly accepted it now. And to be honest, it's actually pretty good. No, we it's like excellent. It. What, no, it doesn't matter what it's called. It should have been called something else. But what, no matter right. what it's called, it's it's excellent. A Mustang is a Mustang is a Mustang is a Mustang. That's yeah. not a Mustang. Yeah. Mach-E is not a Mustang. Why they didn't just call it the Mach-E is beyond me. I mean, the, the why it needs Mustang at all. But as we've mentioned before, I got people talking about it. I mean, it's that it's that weird dance between using established, and this is a screenplay thing too, using established IP, watch mm-hmm. the slug commercial again, using established oh, intellectual right. property and actually trying to do something new. And I think one of the most recent breakouts in this regard I find fascinating because it tells you both sides of the Hollywood screenwriting story. The Ryan Reynolds excellent movie, Free Guy, is an, is an original piece of property. Nobody had written that movie before. Now, fish out of water stuff's been done before. There's themes in there that you've seen a dozen times, okay? But that story was new. There wasn't like, oh, that's like the game, or that's like the book, and it was just free guy. Okay, here it is, ba-boom. Great. But it was so successful, they're making a sequel. So it was interesting, because the year that it came out, one of the big discussions was, it was one of the only movies that was original, that was nearly as successful or as successful as the Marvel movies and the comic book movies the same year. And it was discussed a lot in Hollywood that here was a genuinely successful, you can make a star-making, not that Ryan Reynolds is already a star, but you can make a star-making, property-creating story, and you can spend, because it also wasn't cheap. A lot of the originals being made now are, well, how cheap can you make that? That was an expensive right. movie. Well, that's applied to cars, too. Exactly. Great design. That how cheap com- can we make that It was thing? completely original, and it was a wild success. And it was mm-hmm. I heard multiple interviews and people debating in the industry about how this proves that new stuff can happen. I thought that was amazing and wonderful, and I hope they do more new stuff, new mm-hmm. good scripts out there. But I thought at the same breath it was hysterical that as soon as it did that well, well, we're going to make Free Guy 2. Because the IP's been established now, and this is what the people want. We got to make more. But it was successful. It's proving too true. Yeah. Yeah. The people decide, you know what? Thanks for giving us that original content. Yeah. We like, they responded can with I, their wallets. Can I have another one now? <laughs> <laughs> We're sheep. We're all just sheep. Anyway, yeah, okay. Okay, so my question back to you is what car design is the automotive equivalent of an independent film that didn't get the accolades it deserved? Like here at Sundance in Park City. Mm. There was some film like... What is it? I can't answer that. You know the film industry better than I do. What film is out there like, man, why doesn't everybody should see this great movie or documentary or whatever? Why don't you see it? And there's car designs that are out there like, why did they kill that car? Why, Mm. Why did that go away? It was doing well, we thought. Well, the, you know what? The, and of course, granted, we've talked about the dynamics of it a lot, but the Alpha 4C was a blip. It's a good one. Now, and, and, and here's my, my question. The aftermarket of the Alpha 4C, and some of you are actually owners out there and have written us in, there was supposedly, there supposedly is somebody on the aftermarket that has st- solved with alignment and some other things in the suspension, they have solved the unpredictability of that chassis. Okay, but we've mentioned many times on this podcast that driven... Like, I'm going to go on a nice afternoon drive on a, on a nice road. I'm not talking straight right, road. Right, right. I'm right. talking pick a gorgeous road and drive it for the love of it and the enjoyment of it and the beauty of it and not the how fast can I drive this. You'll love the 4C. It just needed but a script rewrite. It, it needed a revision. That's, <laughs> but, but that's true. Instead of doing a refresh and solving the issues, it's dead now. Now, right. granted, it was never supposed to be a volume seller, but but that's interesting to me as something that when it came out, nobody was like, well, that's unattractive. Everybody thought it was attractive. It wasn't yeah. like a weird brand. Like, I wouldn't buy one of those. The it was headlights an were Romeo. iffy. The, yeah, those the, weird, the, weird, the weird insect ones they sold yeah. overseas were very weird. Yeah. But, but even though it's Alfa Romeo and people have questions about will it be reliable, everybody was also kind of like, oh, that's a great brand for that. 
Mm-hmm. Nobody was like, no, it should be a Toyota. They were like, no, Alfa Romeo with that. Yes. Yeah. Nobody's, the, it, it's the Lotus Elise, but nicer. It's more tech. Oh, it's automatic. I could have that. There were so many things about it that made sense. And it was kind of like a wah, wah. But it got people talking again. Whether or not you bought one, yes. you now were aware that Alfa Romeo is, those yes. words are back in your mouth. Yes, for sure. You're saying Alfa mm-hmm. Romeo and you're attaching them to a fun car, a sports mm-hmm. car, which is why they led with that. Completely, yeah. That's in the category of this is what we think you want. And, well, it's true. Yeah. Whether or not they sold them or bought them, it's now got Alfa Romeo reintroduced yeah, to North true. America. And people are talking about the brand again. So now that we're giving you the squish, whatever the <laughs> squishy new thing is. <laughs> the tonale. Yeah, got it. Okay. You're associated with, ah, sporty, cool. Sure. It's yeah, back yeah. in the news. Because I know there will continue to be uncreative movies being cranked out For by sure. the, the Hollywood machine and people will watch them, but I don't think in mass and they are about to do They'll move to your airplane seat in no time. They are about to do with I mean, they're finishing. Like, I'm going to film an year. airplane seat kind of movie. That's funny. I understand. Those used to be cable movies. Now they're airplane. Exactly. Movies. But anyway, but, the, but you know, you can think about this, talk about intellectual property. They are doing spinoffs in the Harry Potter world, not Harry Potter, but in the Harry Potter world, that world of wizarding, as it's called, they're doing multiple spinoffs in that world. They're this is also, what I'm talking they're about. They're also talking about, we'll see if they actually do it, but it was a part of the, hey, we're, we're HBO Max is becoming just Max now. Ah. Part of that pitch was they are going to redo the Harry Potter books as seasons of TV, and each book is going to be an entire seven or eight episode season. Are you kidding me? Of course, J.K. Rowling was like, "Well, I'll cash that check if you'd like to do it." But <laughs> sure. I don't. But, but I can't back imagine. Back to the mailbox exactly. to pick up my check. Can't imagine pull them right redoing back in. that. But then we've got. But I'll think about this. Over at Warner Brothers, they're doing. Uh, they by the way, Warner Brothers is now New Line got absorbed into Warner Brothers. You've heard about the Lord of the Rings movies, right? Those were kind of definitive. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Uh-huh. They, yeah. They're talking about doing the same thing with those. Make like TV series version of those. Or you know what makes more in the same universe? This is the plague. Okay. I'm going to make a connection here. Follow me. What five-seat SUVs are to cars is the universe idea to films. We have the Marvel ah, universe, uh-huh. we have the Star Wars universe, we have the Harry Potter universe, the Lord of the Rings universe. Every film studio is desperate to find a universe to play in where they can do uh, theoretically Just unlimited stories crank them out. in that world. Star Wars has got The Mandalorian and Andor now, two TV shows you may or may not have watched or even heard I've of. I've heard of the this. first one, but not the second one. The you know They did the, the three rounds of the triple movies. You had the, the prequels, the Star Wars that everybody knows from the 70s, and right. then you had the most recent ones with Rey. Okay? You have those three, right. but then there's Rogue One, and there's the Solo movie, and these others that are spinoffs as they play in the universe. And it's a universe I love, but this is the whole thing of every studio is looking for their universe in the way that I feel like every car maker is looking for, let's do five seat, let's play in the universe of five seat SUVs. If they had a documentary like, here's how we make lightsabers, I'd watch that documentary. Like, take me to the factory where they make lightsabers. Like, I'll just, I just want to know how they make those things because that is cool. But otherwise, I, see, if I would talk myself into a corner and would be wrong if I applied the thinking of, you've made a masterpiece, Leave it well enough and alone. Don't make another one. Don't sully the good movie that you... What an awesome film. 
That is an Don't interesting make reality. another one. Leave it there uh, because the Porsche 911. If that kind of thinking were applied to the 911, you've made a masterpiece. Don't make Generation 2. Do mm, not make mm. a 3.2 Carrera. Don't you dare make a 997 and, you know, onward. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Then, so, so what's the difference between those getting better and not just being the cranked out by the, you know, the armies of screenwriters well, versus okay. the car designers taking that in consideration going, you know what, masterpiece, how can we improve on this? If we can't, there should be some checks and balances yeah, that's, that's should the hard not? part is, is it? change direction entirely mm -hmm. BMW change change the direction we're not making the masterpiece better we this is the debate with the new Countach when it came out yes they yes. they took the Aventador and they made yet another by the way I don't even know the list but it is long of weird variants built off the Aventador I right, have legitimately right. lost track they all had crazy Italian names some of them they made like three and all of those are living somewhere in Dubai in a garage and will never be driven <laughs> okay but, but Coated in dust. one of yes. the many many variants of the Aventador was the brand new you can't see the air quotes Countach which really isn't a Countach but <laughs> yeah. it looks kind of like the Countach it was for the anniversary it has a scoop kind of from the Countach on it the does. side it has a Countach scoop yay they use the magnification tool <laughs> on Photoshop. That's better. That fits the body. Let's put that on the Aventador. Call it a day. But but it is that it is that You're known not far off. That are, there is that known intellectual property reality that people are going to show up for the the sequel to the thing that they know. But the problem is iterations. I think in cars might actually be easier because we know the tech is getting better. Mm -hmm. We know the ability to understand tires and dynamics and this kind of stuff. We've been able to go further. The the current C8 Corvette. Mm -hmm. Okay, with magnetic ride. Mm -hmm. Once the Corvette got magnetic ride, the Corvette got better, period. Full stop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The fact that they made the jump to C8, even without that, the Corvette had gotten better just the minute they introduced magnetic ride. Yeah. Okay. Licensed so, that to like Ferrari. Yeah, of course they did. Others. So, yeah. so tech allows iterations of cars that can be improved. Fundamentally, you know it was improved. Do you like it as much? And this is a problem with movies too. I'll give you a great example. Coming out this summer, Indiana Jones 5. Oh, that's right. Five. You mentioned that. Now, I have to admit, the trailers have got me very excited. Really? It is the first non-Spielberg directed one. A guy named James Mangold directed this. And I, I'm genuinely excited about it. I'm, but it I'm is, hearing hope from It you. is Indiana Jones 5. Five. And in case you don't know, Harrison Ford is quite old. And they've spent a lot of money de-aging him. He plays him all the way throughout, except for, of course, like stunt doubles. But they're de-aging his face, doing all of the Indiana Jones stuff. So even when they flash back to him as a young man, it was still Harrison Ford playing it and now de-aged, which is a whole thing they can do. It's insane. By the way, there is de-aging going on on many of your stars. It's obviously overt when you do Harrison Ford plays his 30-year-old self. But there's a lot of stars that... If you saw them in real life and you saw them in their last movie, they don't really look the same. Oh, like currently they're just oh, de-aging yes. them without making that yes. a, a known thing? It's called digital makeup. I'm ah. not kidding you. It's called digital makeup and it is very, very common. I didn't know his head of hair was that good. It's not. I didn't know. It's amazing how well he's aging. It is, isn't it? When you add the pixels, <laughs> he's aging really, really well, isn't he? There, there, there are actual stars who have certain levels of de-aging in their contracts are you kidding me a hundred percent true like you have to make me look this good these are the these are the things you need to apply <laughs> show up in the red carpet and everybody's like Ew. yeah these are the things so, the so all happened? of this is going on yeah but but i'm bringing up indiana jones because the first three movies now i think temple of doom is my least favorite but the first three movies are a fantastic trilogy of films then they made crystal skull yeah yeah and i, I have like i that. hate to say yeah. it but when you make a worse movie it 
reflects badly on the good ones that came before. That's what I'm saying about car design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You reflected badly on the prior. You does, made the masterpieces. Does the new Countach make the old Countach no. look worse? That's a great question. We want to remind you that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is better brakes. An upgraded brake system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. Track, trail, or traffic, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter what your vehicle is or your driving style, PowerStop has a complete brake upgrade kit for you. Head to PowerStop.com. Fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder, and you'll be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, truly noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. We have both experienced firsthand the upgrade quality on our own vehicles. I've got the Z36 truck and tow pads and rotors on my Ford Expedition, and it brakes more powerfully than it ever has. Join the thousands of drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today. Power Stop. Brake upgrades made easy. George writes to us from Colorado, and he said after hitting a deer, he wrote to us about replacing his Focus RS in yep. April of 2022. A car didn't end up totaled, and it, he got it back after three months and $16,000 later. Whoa. Okay, all right. It wasn't totaled out. That's good. Over the past year, the car has become a headache, though. He writes, to our point in episode 794, maintenance has started to sour his feelings on the car. Oh, that's hard when that happens. He loves how it drives. He loves the acceleration. It makes him smile. But then the ground clearance is a detriment in his mountain town. Mm. He's had to put four bumpers on the car. Wait, four bumpers on the four. car? Four. Because of roads and clearance in his area. That's crazy. All right, go on. Immediately after getting it back from the last time, he broke the bumper connection point backing out of the driveway. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh George, man, I'm sorry. Awful. It scrapes on everything in town if he's not careful, and it's got a few other issues that has made him want to sell it. Mm. So what should he get? All he's ever driven are turbocharged hatchbacks. He owned a 99 Volkswagen GTI, a 2010 GTI 2.0, and he says, while fun, he's not opposed to something new. Okay. However, he drives 50 miles each way for work every day, so anything different would still have to be relatively efficient. He doesn't drain his account for gas money every week. Sure, I get it. Okay. And he lives in a more remote area, so that means repair shops are lacking. He had a shop look at his car, his RS, mm -hmm. and say, nope, that's too new. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little scary okay good to know all right he said he's about two hours from denver so he could theoretically like go to denver where they will work on anything but he's just what this creates is it needs to be efficient and it needs to not break all the time he can work around these issues but it, these have got to be factors i mean if you've got a chevy or a ford pickup sure everybody will work on it yes wow well, his plan is to save through to next spring and then swap at the Focus. He's planning on a cap of $50,000 to work with to replace this Focus. He wants something with a similar driving experience, you know, good in corners, good acceleration, maybe something snorty that turns heads, okay. but has more clearance or is a little more robust. Okay. <laughs> what are you saying? So he stops scraping on even things like grocery runs. Oof. Now, George was looking at a 2015 or 16 Panamera GTS, a Macan Turbo, or a GLA 45 AMG as potential replacements, like it. but he wants other re recommendations. He says those XM series BMWs are so abysmal on fuel, he doesn't want to consider them. Well, they're <laughs> okay. not. It's just the way All you right. drive them because they've got so much wonderful power. You'll be like, that's my mileage? Use really? a little more gas. Just use a little bit more gas. Yeah. So what do we have for George? Well, what's interesting is the stuff that he brought up, I want to go there right, right away, George. The Panamera GTS is really cool. I can't imagine it's not going to have the same problem. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's yeah. too low to solve the issue. But then you listed the first two that came to mind. The hatchbacks sold as CUVs from two manufacturers we really like. You mentioned the Porsche Macan Turbo, which I think is absolutely the Porsche for you, or the Mercedes GLA AMG. Mm-hmm. Both of those, and I'm going to keep saying it because it's true, they are marketed as five-seat CUVs. They are essentially the hatchback that their automaker makes. Yeah, and the, and the Macan, but yeah. exactly to your point, George, the Macan is a lifted hatchback, as is the GLA. GLA. So I think you would wind up in a situation where you would scrape less, and you would have the dynamics you still like, and you would also, certainly in the case of the Macan, you would wind up in a place that feels nicer for your commuting, but yet you aren't frustrated with, yeah, I used to have a Focus RS, which was really, really fun in the corners, and now I have this, and it's good for commuting, but it's a little bit of a snooze. I don't think the Macan would be that. I think you'd have a great time. Yeah, I love the Macan idea, and any flavor of the Macan. You mentioned the turbo, but it doesn't even have to be that high. The GTS is a fantastic balance. The S is good. Just don't get the base. Don't yeah, get the base agreed. Macan. That's not worth it, but the S or the GTS are both excellent. Agreed, and I'm with Todd. I like the GLA 45, but also look at the GLC 43 AMG. Mm. The problem is brand new. They're u- they're seventy thousand dollars, so yeah, I recommend used. Yeah, yeah. And that way we can keep the cost down to fifty thousand dollars. I really wanted you to consider the Audi RS3 because of your GTI experience, your Volkswagen love. The RS3 is like the ideal mountain town car. Like, seems like what's the clearance though? But the clearance it can't is, be any better. It can't be better. Yeah. Neither is the AMG CLA 45. Mm-hmm. Same thing. The competitor that. We really love, but same kind of a deal. And I was even, I actually entertained for a moment, George, a Prius, a new all-wheel drive Prius. Look at you. Okay, interesting. Because again, all-wheel drive and your fuel efficiency for your commute and then save your money for some sports car, whatever that mm-hmm. is. Because I, d- I don't know if you can spend all your money and get the, the highest performance that you want and yet still save money on gas. Mm-hmm because you've got this commute. So I, I kind of split it into two jobs there. I sure. split it into, okay, new Prius, all wheel drive, put the winter tires on that. Yeah, you can get around. Ground clearance isn't great, but then what about some, you save money for a thirty, $40,000 sports car, fun sports car, but sure. then none of that is solving the ground clearance issue. So I come back to SUVs and I hate that I do, but, but that's, that's why at. manufacturers make these hot versions. We always say, mm-hmm. why do you have sport mode on this SUV? Because of George, because of people like him, his, the Macan his situation has three more inches of ground clearance than his Focus RS. I just looked it up. The Focus is running about four inches of ground clearance. The Macan is running almost seven. Wow. So, and also, if you if you think about the look of the Macan, the the Focus RS has that kind of low, flat, boxy front clip. Mm-hmm. The Macan mm-hmm. rolls up toward the grill. It, it's rounded off, kind of like a, if you look at it from the side, kind of like the nose of an airplane. It has that roll off about it. So I think your clearance would be better. Plus the, the lowest thing, granted is on most things, but the lowest thing on the Macan is that, that rubber uh, guard down there, which you may ding a few times, but three inches more ground clearance is significant. And the problem is that is generally the jump from cars to SUVs is that ground clearance, which puts me back into a couple of cars. One I thought of, we got to go there. Subaru WRX. Oh, sure. Because while yeah, I don't, talk. I don't yeah. look up the ground clearance, but while I don't know that the ground clearance is going to be revolutionary, I think it, it's designed to be more off-road. And you said the other issue becomes, what about more robust? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking the whole point of the Subaru WRX is to be really robust. 
you can take it on a back road and enjoy it and watch our piece we just did with the Elantra and we enjoyed it a lot. But one of the things we didn't cover at all is we didn't take it bombing down a fire road because the Elantra wouldn't be good there. Okay. And it was a street review, which is where most people are going to drive it. But if you are a person who you've got back, back roads, bad weather, all this kind of stuff you're going to do, you shouldn't buy an Elantra. And we said that in the piece. If you're a person who needs all wheel drive and Mm -hmm. bad driving conditions, the Subaru is your play. And I think that WRX is going to be, even if the ground clearance isn't great, I think what you're going to find is that it is more robust. And that would be good. I think it's about an inch, half inch or an inch taller than as far as ground clearance, what I've got in front of me here, than the Focus RS, which that might actually make the difference. Audi RS Q5? Sportback? I don't know. that. It's too expensive, though. But here's the thing. I would get the Macan. I'd get the Macan, too. That's the problem. I'd get the Macan instead, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to go all the way. Like I said, no turbo. You don't have to go that far to get the power that you need out of that, that Macan. And that's a great choice. There's a couple others here that I have to mention that are more uh, wildcard territory, but I was just thinking about it. And that is, let's see, I'm, I'm still looking up ground clearance because I realized I didn't check the ground clearance on all of these that I wrote down. But, okay, I had the Alpha Julia down all-wheel drive because I thought that'd be a cool wildcard, get that in all-wheel drive. Except the ground clearance is every bit as bad as your fo- focus, so is it's it? out. Yeah. That's too bad. I had an older Evo down, but now you're going older, yeah. Get the manual. Yeah. I think that would be incredibly robust. I think you would love that car in the manual. You would have a lot of fun. I think I venture to guess it would be more fun than your RS. Granted, I'm an Evo fan. But finding one that's close to stock and the fact that you're actually going backwards in time now makes that a major wild card. So then I'm going to go I'm going to go two other places real quick and that is if the real thing here and you kind of touched on this Paul is commuting and efficiency and It'll just take a beating. Subaru Crosstrek. But it's not fun like you've had. Yeah, it's not going to have the power you're looking for. So that creates a question of do you get a different car that is the fun and then how does that navigate the roads? And we've circled right back to where we were, which is a little (laughs) bit too bad. Yeah. The last one that I have to mention because I feel like I'd be remiss if I don't, and that is, of course, the GR Corolla. But... You know what? That's going to have only about an inch more ground clearance than your RS. It does have more. It's got five, whereas your RS had four. Now, that is the same amount of ground clearance as the WRX. Is that a consideration? Can you even get one for fifty grand? I don't know, but I feel like I have to at least acknowledge it. I think at the end of all of this, for me, though, George, it's WRX or Macan. I'm with the Macan, sticking in the Macan camp. Uh, unsurprisingly, I hate to say it. Paul is leaning Porsche. Well, because any other <laughs> a lot SUV, of clearance, though. Any other SUV that we consider, we have been to the ring and we've seen Range Rovers hooning around the track. You, you yes. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? The level of squeal going on when they are Why throwing that, that in. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you guys for lots of great questions as always. This first thing I'm going to acknowledge is from Alec writing it on Facebook. It's not even really a question. I just want to applaud your observation. Okay. You're looking at the Nissan Aria and you just, you mentioned your comments with the Nissan Aria. I'm not going to go into that, but you said the crossover thing is a plague. I want that on a shirt. I have said it multiple times to you, Paul. I just, it's, it is a plague, but it is that thing where this is what everybody buys. And it, it comes down. Somebody was asking this question recently. It just comes down to ground clearance and the, what it creates for you in ride height. And so many people, my wife's among them, so many people feel so much happier when they're up higher. And what I find hysterical in our new Cayenne, I am driving that car as low as the seat will allow me to go. And I bring up like all the door and everything. Everything is up like sports car levels for me. 
Funny. Where the dash yeah. rides yeah. in the new Cayenne is where the dash was on the 86. It's like really high. And then she takes it at the top end of the travel. I get in that car in her driving position. Not only can I not put my head straight up, but I feel like I'm going to tip over. <laughs> but she loves it. And that's the reason these CUVs keep selling. Sheesh. On Facebook as well, Mike M says, can we believe we've reached the point where the last manual rear wheel drive sedans are BMW and Cadillac? I'm surprised Cadillac's on that list. I am it's too. It's very cool though. You know, I wonder, Mike, about manufacturers rediscovering that recipe. If they're EVs, of course, they won't be manuals. But still, it might be like, hey, this cool thing from the past, rear-wheel drive sedans. Everybody seems to like them. We should build that. (laughs) I wonder if that'll make a comeback at some point in the future because that is like the recipe. Everybody still really likes a good, powerful rear-wheel drive sedan. I hope so. That'd be nice. Daniel's writing in, and I have to acknowledge this, Daniel. You said, when are we going to unveil the new show car? Again, we're going to do that this weekend. But what's <laughs> funny is it won't be what you've asked, and that is, is it possibly the cheapest Mondial available right now at autotempest.com slash everyday? It is not a Mondial, even though I think Paul would love that. But to Paul's credit, he did just fight through 18 months worth of old, interesting car. So we should probably try to leave that. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. Over on Instagram, Braptor says, do we think we've hit a plateau in EV tech? It seems like every manufacturer has a skateboard chassis with 300 miles of range and comes in single or dual motor configurations. Do we think anyone will be able to break the stalemate? And if so, who? Who is it going to be? You're right. I think we've hit a plateau. And that's always on my mind when we're driving the latest five-seat EV. The Aria was on my mind, and I asked Todd, this is going to be in the interview, what in particular is Nissan like about this? What is the Nissan flavor that we're getting out of this? Got that badge on the front. Does have that badge, you're right. (laughs) Problem solved. That's the flavor right there. It's a Nissan badge, there it is. Other than styling, because Mm -hmm. you're right, skateboard chassis, we plop the body on it, it's got the amenities that we need, and the trim levels that separate the price points, so okay, the seats and the stereo and the trim and maybe a few other safety features sure but the ones who will be able to break that stalemate it's going to cost more money to buy the thing that is that Mm -hmm. new plateau because the biggest thing especially for evs will be range lucid is there that's Mm -hmm. the issue and they're it's my understanding they're developing an ev at this point but they're also not mainstream braptor like you're talking about and by mainstream, I hate to say it. I mean, $60,000 for what you've described. Sure. Skateboard, yeah, 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 300 yeah. horsepower. Yeah. Or sorry, 300 mile range, probably 400 horsepower. They're still quick and they have plenty of space. So it's going to be range. It isn't going to be power. That's the deal. It mm-hmm. won't, it'll, it'll be range and it'll, it won't be amenities either. Every car manufacturer can screw a, a, a thing to it that makes mm-hmm. it more comfortable than luxurious. Sounds better, whatever that is. So it's got to be range. But ultimately, what it's got to be is something that drives so well. Wow, this is great as a sedan. This really handles well. Yeah, but I I also think think that the the general person is being conditioned out of caring how a car drives. So people say, oh, this handles really well. I enjoy driving this because it handles so well. It feels so good going through the corner. That is becoming a, thank you for listening, by the way, because you're among the, the exception. That is becoming a smaller and smaller pool, I feel like. But let's hope that's not the case. Along those lines, though, I want to speak to this question from Ant Farm on Instagram. Why do you hate Audis is his question. 
This is interesting. I saw this, this is interesting yeah. because we don't hate Audis. I don't know that we hate really anything brand wise. There, there are most any car out there I can think of that there are there are models we like and models we don't. There is a recurring problem with Volkswagen product, and by that I mean Volkswagens, mm-hmm. Audis, and I hate to say it, and there will be pitchforks, Porsche. And that is as they get more refined and better and do more, they get less interesting. This is a problem that Porsche is having, yes, with most of their models. The really exciting, you know, the, the joke in the industry, of course, is what the, what's the car that gives you the fizz that James May right. coined that. Right. That is very hard to find in a lot of Porsche's lineup. You have to go to the very unique standout cars because a lot of their middle stuff is superb to drive, but not all that involving. It's so good, it's become a bit bland. Mm. Now jump down out of Porsche, who is a, a, you know the benchmark for so many people on sports cars. You come down out of sports car benchmarks into average cars, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is the Volkswagen lineup. We talk about the MQB chassis a lot and the fact that the Polo and the Golf do feel somewhat similar to the Atlas. They shouldn't, but they do, and it's that carryover chassis. So a lot of what's going on here is you end up with cars that are incredibly competent, and feel nice inside, but are completely devoid of personality. And if you are a Volkswagen person or Audi person screaming at me, yeah, but if you tune it, I know, but you can tune anything else. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about from the factory, they are cold yeah. and yeah. uninteresting. Now there's yeah. exceptions. The Audi RS4 loved that car. The one yeah. with the V8, love it. Yeah, the Audi special. R8, I love that in pretty much every form, especially if you can get me the six-speed uh, manual. Oh, man, and I will take an R8 tomorrow. You're a huge fan of the e-tron. I like it a lot, but you're a huge fan of the e-tron. I do like the e-tron. That's it's a, very probably good. I like the Taycan, too. And I think that pretty much any version of the big loaded-out Audi A8 is just wins as one of... That's that Phaeton It is. It's one of the disease. best big executive sedans yeah. of its time. Those are always amazing to be in, but I wouldn't buy it for the driving. I would buy it for the experience. So there are those that are standout. We recently had the RS3, and we praised that car because there's personality there, and a lot of them don't have it. And you're touching on this and, and Mr. McGillicuddy's question here that I'll read here in just a minute. But you're touching on things that people are, you're right, conditioned to ignore. That's not really a selling point anymore. Even BMW has gotten away for the longest time from that ultimate driving machine. That worked for a long time when people really kind of cared. But that's become less and less of a priority because how many screens does it have? What's the range? Yep. How, How much horsepower? Can we break the internet doing a drag race with this EV kind of thing. Does it have Apple CarPlay and Android Auto? Oh, it does. Good. Excellent. I like that then. So therefore, if we're conditioned by that, and that's what we're expecting, unless there start to be buyers who car companies recognize, Mm -hmm. the issue is the public has to translate their desires to the car companies. They have to find Mm -hmm. that out. And that's through auto shows and focus groups and word on the street and many, many ways for car companies to start hearing, you know what? There's, there's more of a market. People would buy it if it were good. There is also hope that people who work at car companies, there's many people who are actually like cars. There's some. Yeah, that helps. But Mr. McGillicuddy's question is about the Toyota Crown. Mm. Mr. McGillicuddy watched a CUV sedan presentation about this Toyota Crown and how these CUV sedans historically sell poorly, mm. which begs the question of why American buyers insist their CUVs must have a hatch and their cars have a trunk. Nostalgia, 
This is how cars have been for the longest time. That's just how they are. And I will say reverse nostalgia too. And what I mean by that is there's a huge segment of the car buying public that believes that station wagons are bad. They are still perceived as worse than minivans, less Mm. cool than minivans. I was actually at the light the other day next to an E63 wagon and I was just like, that car's so cool. <laughs> burble, burble, burble. So cool. It was, so here's cool. the thing. It was even in white, and I was like, that's a cool car. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, those of us yeah. that like wagons are the extreme oddball, but the general public is like, I don't like a wagon. My wife is so extreme in this regard that a lot of hatchbacks she doesn't like because they are too wagon-shaped. So wagon has a has a really? black mark on it. Yes, absolutely. Huh. So that's why SUVs have a hatch. They're not a wagon, they're a hatch. But you can't make a car with a hatchback because it's got to be, it can't look like a wagon. Hatchbacks is this weird category maybe in the middle, but a lot of people just don't like them, which I find fascinating. Did you see on Twitter, Dumb Electrician has a track daily crush that I think I'm going to answer, but it is, it's all bad. I'm going there now. It's all bad. I'm looking at it now. The year 2000's front wheel drive convertible edition. All bad. The Pontiac Sunfire. The Volkswagen Cabrio and the Toyota Solaro track daily crush. Okay, that is just a sea of awfulness. There, I'm sorry. I'm here's where I'm going to go. Um, the Solaro is is terrible. I'm sorry, but the Solaro is just bad. Okay, it's it's a bland car now made into convertible uh, that dies. I'm going to daily the Volkswagen Cabrio because Are you? if it runs, which is the big question, it's at least a little quirky. I'll, I'll take I'll take quirky, okay. And that means I'm tracking the Pontiac Sunfire, which I don't expect to do well. But I'm just going to murder that car around the track. I'm just going. It's going to be tire squeal and and <laughs> just good. and and actually right, no no good. care given. So who knows? I might put down a halfway decent lap because I'm everywhere I'm not supposed to be. Wow, guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really appreciate it. Write to us, TV at gmail.com for your topic Tuesdays, your car yep. conclusions, and most of all your car debates. We're looking forward to hearing from you as always. Cheers, everyone. 